0: Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on The Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. You can also reach out through the KPL app chat. Got that pulled up to get your comments uh, as we go through the day. Uh, so first, let's go through the information that we have uh, on the weather situation. Most of the severe weather has rolled through the skies are actually quite dark outside the studio here uh looking at the radar still uh the chance for some cloud uh for for some rain in the area I believe that we've got some tornado watches in surrounding parishes still active but for the most part uh just looking a little rainy for the rest of the day but nothing as severe as we saw earlier today all of that has shifted to our east. Uh, Baton Rouge was getting hit. Uh, all of the uh, and and those uh, the, the storm still tracking, kind of in a northeastward pattern. Uh, like I said, got the radar pulled up. Some scattered stuff still coming, but the storm is moving uh, northeast. And there's a gap between the two lines of storms that. Really, we've missed a lot of right now. Now, what's currently shifting through is going to bring some stuff our way, but not a whole lot according to the radar. So we appear to have gotten through the worst of it. And of course, it is bringing in cooler weather. You may not have needed a jacket when you went to work this morning, but you may need a sweater this afternoon. Uh, In New Iberia, we got reports of two tornadoes that touched down. Uh, One touchdown in the Southport subdivision area. Several homes were damaged and there were reports of people trapped there. Also, a tornado hit the hospital in New Iberia. For a while, the New Iberia Police Department and several other local agencies, the Iberia Parish Sheriff's Department, uh, Acadian Ambulance, the Fire Department, uh, the agencies had come together and were working together Uh, and using New Iberia Senior High as a command center. As of about 20 minutes ago, the New Iberia Police Department has discontinued the use of NISH as a command post. It has been relocated, and officials are meeting to discuss the next course of action. Now, what they're going through right now is finding all the people who have been displaced because of the damage to homes and everything and trying to assist with that. Across the state, Governor John Bill Edwards has announced or has declared a state of emergency, which is a very necessary move that he has to make as governor in order to allow for federal assistance to come in. These storms uh, were heavy across the state. The worst stretch of them, aside from what hit New Iberia, the worst stretch of it went across the northern part of the state. Uh, There were storms, tornadoes that had hit the Dallas area and were rolling westward, I'm sorry, eastward, and hit several places in North Louisiana, including Caddo, where we have two confirmed fatalities, a 30-year-old mother and 8-year-old son. Uh, if you go to kpel965.com, we've got a lot of that news there available for you so you can see exactly what the lay of the land is. Um, there is a lot of uh, of evidence of what the storms actually did, uh the hospital you see a lot of shattered windows a lot of damages there a lot of damages in those residential areas too uh john bill edwards announced earlier today that he'll be traveling to the Shreveport area and union parish to tour the damage and the response efforts i imagine because this was announced earlier this morning that iberia parish will be part of his travels tomorrow as well uh so the declaration of a uh, of a of a am uh, 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 sorry a state of emergency allows for the state to start collecting assistance on that uh to help in these areas 232 1542 if you want to be part of the conversation you can also send a message like i said through the kpl app chat what i want to do now and what I want to do now is I want, to go, I want to go to break a little bit early here, and I want to go back and kind of start the show as I was going to start it before the storms and all that news broke today. So we're going to reset after this break. But, again, if you need updates on the situation in New Iberia and across the state, you can check out kpl 965com Let's take this break. We will be back with more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. So there's a story that was over at NBC News. NBC News is kind of hit or miss. Uh, Some of their coverage is really good. Some of it is just out there lefty stuff. And it depends on the reporter. One of my favorite, I've mentioned him before, is Mark Caputo. Mark Caputo, who was at Politico, uh, is now at NBC News. He is a Florida-based reporter, does a very good job covering political issues in Florida. He's got a piece today that I think is worth reading. Ron DeSantis is attacking Trump from Trump's right but without mentioning Trump's name. Here's what he's doing. You may have heard it earlier this, or last week he actually announced it. Yesterday he confirmed it. Ron DeSantis has filed a petition with the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. Now DeSantis has been a promoter of the COVID-19 vaccines. But there has been data that's come out that has raised some concerns among those who are skeptical. And so DeSantis is calling for an investigation into it, especially as it concerns his state. Now, how is Trump involved? Well, COVID-19 is politically where Donald Trump is the weakest with his own base. The lockdowns were pushed for and encouraged by Trump and his administration. Uh, before the relationship soured, Trump invested a lot in promoting Fauci and what he was saying. Um, and there's a lot of skepticism over that. Now, for Trump and Trump supporters, you know, there's this uh there's this group of people who are known as never Trump. They will not vote for Trump under any circumstances, and not only do they not vote for Trump under any circumstances, they also reject anyone in the GOP who might be seen as tied to Trump in even the most remote of ways. The never-Trump ideology is really never-Republican. They just don't want to say that because they're still running the grift of being Republicans against Trump, but really they openly endorse Democratic talking points, politicians, and positions. They're not Republicans anymore. On the opposite of that, though, you have the only Trump voter, the type of voter who will under no circumstances vote for anybody but Trump in 2024. And only Trump voters don't have the same kind of branching out philosophy that never Trumpers do. It is Trump. It's only Trump. It's not anybody who can come across as Trump, tied to Trump, anything like that. If Trump's not involved, they're not interested. But on the issue of COVID-19 and the vaccines, that is where Trump is at his weakest with those only Trump voters. Now, the vast majority of you listening right now are people who would probably prefer Trump. But if Trump didn't make it, you will still vote Republican. You will still vote conservative. Because you want to win. Not saying that the only Trump folks do not want to win. Just saying that most of you listening, it's negotiable if trump's if trump ends up not being the guy and somebody else is you will vote for the republican but there are two sides to this coin the people who will only vote trump no matter what and the people who will only who will vote against trump and pretty much every other republican and those are the ones that are most that the republican party is having to struggle with right now the only trump side is far far bigger than the never trump side let's be clear on that But the Republican Party has to deal with the fact that there is a segment of its base that only wants Donald Trump and cannot bring itself to even consider an alternative. That's where Ron DeSantis comes in here. Ron DeSantis is making a play for the Trump's uh, for the Trump supporting but vaccine skeptical crowd. Now, his camp is out there saying this isn't about 2024. This is about Florida. This is about the people of Florida who took the vaccine and anybody who may have suffered a health issue because of it, etc. But, and here's what Mark Caputo was reporting on at NBC News, quoting his story. For about a year, Trump's confidants, advisors, and boosters have worried that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was positioning himself to get to the right of former President of the former president over the issue of COVID vaccines. DeSantis, who was mulling whether to challenge Trump in the 2024 Republican primary for president, deepened those suspicions on Tuesday. DeSantis was a major booster of vaccines last year and once called them life-saving, but he later turned against them, mirroring a shift in conservative Republican opinion. By January, he refused to say if he even got a booster. And that prompted Trump, whose Operation Warp Speed led to the rapid development of the vaccines, to take a thinly veiled shot at him, albeit not by name, for being gutless. Then Caputo includes several quotes from Republicans in Trump's orbit, some on the record, some off the record. Prior to this, his position was identical to Trump's, and he advocated the efficiency and safety of vaccines. That's his record, said Roger Stone, a longtime advisor to Trump and outspoken critic of DeSantis. This is a shot across the bow. We know exactly what Ron is up to, said another Trump advisor who spoke more bluntly, but on the condition of anonymity, to be able to speak freely. Another quote. The fact is, we've seen this coming for a year, ever since Ron started to get anti vax the Republican said, explaining the governor's opposition to the vaccine. Yes, there's a portion of our base that is anti-vax, and some people could walk away from Trump over it. That's why Ron is doing it. It's so transparent. Stephen Chung, a spokesman for Trump, said in a written statement that after China unleashed this deadly virus onto the rest of the world, President Trump's administration worked tirelessly to secure medical equipment to save the lives of Americans who were affected. Whether or not this is about 2024, this is about Ron DeSantis securing his own base within Florida. And yes, it is something that will make some people who are on the fence about Trump, who really like Trump and a lot of what he did, but were skeptical about the COVID issue, that will bring them over to Desantis's side. He's trying to chip away. You cannot bring the massive amount of followers that Trump has. You can't bring them all over once. You can't convince them all to come over all at once. But you can chip away at it. And this is the way you would go about it. Now, what's most important here is what I said at the very beginning of this. This is DeSantis essentially going after Trump without mentioning Trump by name. Because, yes, Operation Warp Speed was the Trump administration's operation. It removed a lot of the red tape that allowed for the research and development of mRNA vaccines. And in the beginning, those vaccines did do a lot to slow down the virus. But with the mutations of the virus and with the short testing period of the virus, there are still a lot of questions that are only now being asked by more mainstream outlets. I do believe that DeSantis is charting his path forward for 2024. I do believe that. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying it's not political. But his camp is claiming this isn't about 2024. Trump has entered this conversation because DeSantis' actions, not his words, but his actions put him up against Trump. It's not DeSantis seeking a fight here. It's DeSantis moving forward, trying to peel away some of Trump's support, knowing that Trump will try to pick a fight over it without DeSantis ever planning to actually take Trump up on that fight. That is probably Donald Trump's biggest weakness going forward, aside from the COVID stuff, is the fact that Trump will fight anything that moves if he sees it as a threat to him, whereas Ron DeSantis is going to make going to continue to make the decision to focus on himself and his policies and not worry about anyone outside of that. In 2016, Ron DeSantis, just like every other Republican, ultimately saw what happens when you get in a poop-flinging contest with Trump. And DeSantis has so far done a pretty good job of avoiding making that mistake. But now we're just about into 2023. And in the first quarter of 2023, that's when you're going to see a lot of the Republicans who are making moves to run for president. That's when they're going to start making their moves. A lot of announcements I think you can probably expect on or before the end of April. And I think Ron DeSantis will be one of them. But how do those Republicans handle Donald Trump? Because the fact of the matter is that Trump is something that you will have to deal with as a Republican candidate in 2024. What all those Republicans have going for them right now is that Trump's campaign has seemingly failed to launch. Trump is out today promising a major announcement tomorrow. No idea what this huge major announcement that they are touting is. He's already declared he's running for president. I'm not sure what's left. But Trump is planning to make some sort of big announcement tomorrow. And he's hoping it can essentially relaunch his campaign. All right, 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. When we come back, more on the fentanyl crisis. I've got some thoughts on that and your calls and texts. Through the K-Pel app chat, that and more here on News ninety six point five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk ninety six point five 232-1542, If you want to be part of the conversation, so on Monday I mentioned the most important story of the day. That day was a Washington Post report on just how much the federal government has failed in combating the fentanyl crisis in twenty twenty there were 56,516 overdose deaths in the United States. In a 12-month period ending in January 2022, 107,375 suspected overdose deaths. The number is growing at an alarming rate. In the past, I want to say, couple weeks, they have uh, stopped shipments of hundreds of thousands, multiple shipments of hundreds of thousands of pills coming across the border. I saw somebody make a comment earlier I used to be pro-legalization of all drugs because I didn't think the government had the right to regulate private behavior of people getting high. But fentanyl makes that position essentially impossible. It's poison, and what's going on is insane. And that really is a very good point, because you do see an effort to legalize across the country, particularly where marijuana and and Drugs like that are concerned. Even some of the harder drugs, there are pushes to legalize. It's a very libertarian position. I used to be kind of in favor of legalization. Now I'm more on the decriminalization side. A lot of our criminal code where drugs are concerned has, uh, there was a lot of flaws in how those laws were written. But the fact of the matter is that the game has changed with the explosion of fentanyl on the streets. And as I said on Monday, as that Washington Post report mentioned on Monday, we've gotten to a point where it's very clear that the federal government has failed in tracking and stopping the fentanyl coming into the country, much less treating the problem on the streets. We have this epidemic in the country. We're seeing more and more fentanyl-related deaths, more and more overdoses in general, but fentanyl has really become the number one cause. We're now getting more and more stories about that. We're getting more and more stories of its effects, We've got stories of police officers who overdose from exposure. There are some questions about those stories. Um, You know, how possible is that that sort of thing? But the fact of the matter is that, that police officers are routinely becoming more and more exposed to it. It's only a matter of time before something like that actually truly does happen. And the local law enforcement is struggling to deal with an issue that the national federal government has basically ignored up until like now. And even then, we have this crisis at the border that the Biden administration is refusing in any way to really deal with. And so that's allowing for more opportunities for these drugs to come across the border. There is poison in our streets, and our local law enforcement is overwhelmed. And I hope that sometime soon, some help steps forward. All right, 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the conversation, we've got Jim on the line. Jim, how are you today? Howdy, howdy. What you got for us?
1: You're wrong. It is not the federal government's job to stop drugs from coming in. Never was. Uh, All you got to do is look at the Constitution. Their role in America is well defined. What we've become was a nation of adventurers into illegal activities, which then bite us in the butt because we get addicted to them. It's not their job. We as individuals have to stop this attitude of criminality, and that's just what it is. We're doing things that are illegal as a kind of an adventure, a fly-in-your-face adventure, and it's risky. Um, We have no business doing that. We could stop all this flow of of, uh, drugs overnight if America as a whole would just refuse to take another drug. We are our own worst enemy, and we're an enemy to Mexico because all the drugs that are coming through Mexico are there because we demand it. We are criminals, and we're making our neighbors into criminals. There's just no other way to put it. We are at fault.
0: All right. Thank you very much for the call, Jim. Appreciate the, the input. I'm, I, I just think I, I agree with the the idea that the federal government, it, it's not their job to be policing or things like that, but we the, the federal government does actually have a responsibility when it comes to our borders. And that's where the problem is. This is an actual invasion. And it does need to be fought by the federal government. And we do have these federal government agencies whose job is to handle situations like fentanyl and others. I would love for these agencies to give block grants to local law enforcement and give them the tools to be able to do it, and that really be the extent of their job, but they're not going to do that. But there is a constitutional duty to fight this invasion of drugs coming across the border. And it really, really needs to there, there needs to be something done. This has been a failure of multiple administrations mentioned that on Monday. This isn't just a Joe Biden thing. The Trump administration waited until way too late to recognize that the fentanyl that was coming in was no longer coming in from China as much as it was from the Mexican drug cartels. And then the Trump administration waited too long to send the tools necessary to uh, the border so that they would be able to search and secure any passenger and commercial vehicles coming across the border. Barack Obama also did a very poor job of securing the border and refused to acknowledge fentanyl as its own drug crisis. They only had it really listed as an additive problem and that the main problem was the opioids and that fentanyl was just an additive of this process, not its own category. This is multiple administrations at fault here. And as a result, of that fault, of that neglect, we now have poison flowing through our streets. And it does need to be handled, whether or not it's the federal government acting directly or whether or not it's the federal government providing local government the tools to do the job they're supposed to do. All right, before we take a break, let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Warren on the line. Warren, how are you today?
1: Hey, Joe. So guys got a good point. But I think they've hijacked the drug trade, China and Biden, and the deception. They use the same deception as the biological warfare, where our politicians and China are involved together, The uh, Frankenstein, Fauci. So you look at the deception, uh, and you see the similarities. You see who's teaming up together to do this. You know, the White House is always saying they're going to be crystal
0: clear. That's the most crystal clear bunch of liars I've ever known, Joe. I thank you for the program. All right, thank you for the call. We're going to go ahead and take this break. We'll be back in just a moment to wrap up the show right here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL two three two fifteen forty two. if you want to be Part of the conversation. You can also send a message through the KPEL app chat. Uh, Some news that came out this morning, really haven't been able to get to because we've been worried about the weather all day. Uh, Congressman Clay Higgins has endorsed Jeff Landry for governor, Uh, released a video message uh, that he was endorsing Attorney General Jeff Landry to be the next governor of Louisiana, saying, quote, He's focused, he's passionate, he's a constitutionalist, he's my friend. I'm honored to support him for governor. That was in Higgins' statement. Uh, I will have that story up on kpel 965 so you can see uh, the full video. KPAL965.com, that will be coming up a little bit later. We'll also send that out in an app alert so you can get it right there on your phone. I hope y'all are using the KPL app to keep up, not just with our stories, but our shows, but you can also... Uh, you can get a lot of information off of there uh, that you normally just can't really find anywhere else. I promise you, I work behind the scenes here. I know how fast we can get the news and get it out to you. In, 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 at speeds, most others cannot. So be sure that you have the KPEL app so that you can catch all the news as it's breaking. All right, before we go today, um, the Washington Post has lost something like Five hundred thousand subscribers. I think it was one number I saw. They had a meeting today, and upper management let them know that layoffs were coming. Let the let the let the folks at uh, the Washington Post know that layoffs were coming, and um, it was not a good picture. Uh, there's actually video. Uh, Clay Travis uh, with uh, the website Outkicked. Uh, he posted apparently video that he had gotten from that meeting and the reporters in the room and the staff in the room just go crazy with anger. But the Washington Post, again, has lost thousands upon thousands of of subscribers. And it's really not difficult to figure out why. The mainstream media has done more activism than it has reporting and people are getting tired of it. People are getting tired of the slanted coverage and they are looking elsewhere. And It's not just conservatives going or walking away from it. It's people who are in the middle who read things like the Washington Post and New York Times and have started to really find out, like conservatives did long ago, that the coverage really isn't all that great for what you're paying for. It's really not. There are some good folks over there, but most of them have all fallen into this resistance mentality where we've got to resist Republicans, especially Donald Trump. That takes precedence over news reporting. There are some things, like I said, the the fentanyl piece that they did on Monday is one of the best pieces of journalism that there is right now. But that one piece of journalism really doesn't outweigh a lot of the bad coverage that comes out by cheap analysis from people who are just trying to score points for being anti-Republican. I feel bad for the good people over there who may be laid off because of it. But the big problem is that across the board at several major media companies, the bias in reporting is driving people away. Look at CNN. CNN's ratings have cratered. They have tried some things. They have tried to make some changes, and nothing's really working so far. People have abandoned the brand because of stupid, biased, celebrity-led reporting. And it was all about the star power. It was not about the news. That's why you would have somebody like Don Lemon or Chris Cuomo leading the charge in primetime. Just today, media reporter Oliver Darcy at CNN puts together this whole story about this right-wing push to ban TikTok, all in response to, hey, a bipartisan bill that was introduced by Marco Rubio and a Democratic senator whose name I forget off the top of my head. I mean, the top Democrat of the National Security Committee in in, in Congress said that Yeah, Donald Trump was probably right on TikTok when Donald Trump was trying to ban TikTok. TikTok is a major security issue. And to say that this is some right wing push to ban TikTok is stupid and slanted. And Oliver Darcy, who is a clout chasing airhead with the title of reporter behind his name. Is just. He's out there allowed to say what he wants because he says the right thing. Meanwhile, the guys in charge of CNN are trying to get rid of that in order to salvage what is already a pretty uh, desolate brand. And it's absolutely true. In the Senate right now, there is a bipartisan bill being pushed to ban TikTok in the U.S. or to at least force the sale of TikTok to an American company so that all the data doesn't have to run through China's servers, which is what happens. If you or your child is on TikTok, your information is in China's servers. And I say that as somebody who has a TikTok account. I know full well what I'm putting on TikTok, though. Where I'm going, what I'm searching for, that sort of thing. But there are a lot of people who are just scrolling through mindlessly, letting the algorithm take them where it wants to go. The algorithm is not so much following your interests as it's slowly steering you toward one thing or another. And if you don't know what your kids are watching on it, yes, your kids' information is going to the Chinese. And there are filters on there like facial recognition, facial scanning, those kinds of things. If you're letting your kids use that, you are letting the Chinese get a picture of your kid's face. And there's a bipartisan push to try to save American kids and Americans from that big security problem. But... When you have, frankly, idiots in the media who are saying this is some right wing paranoid conspiracy theory. It doesn't help the cause because you also have Democrats who are saying, hey, the Republicans are right on this one. But you got to keep in the media chasing that clout, chasing those clicks, you know, finding those uh, social media subscribers, because God forbid you tell something honestly instead of trying to put a partisan spin on it. And people at CNN wonder why CNN Plus never happened, why all these cuts came through, why did all these people get fired or moved around? It's because nobody trusts your brand when all you do is make everything into a partisan attack. We went seven years where CNN struggled to write any headlines that were not some way tied to Donald Trump. And it wasn't just them. All right, you guys have a great one. I'll talk to you again in 23 hours. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And, of course, sign up for the Substack, JoeCunninghamShow.Substack.com. Shannon is off sides next here on News Talk 96.5. KPL.